You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. There we go. All right. Got some strong preachers in the house today. Uh, so we continue on. We had a great week last week introducing vision, and we talked about a, a, a vision a, to imagine a life totally surrendered uh, to God, and uh, that was a vision for yourself. What would your life look like if you were totally surrendered uh, to God and the things of God, if you were totally surrendered to that? And today I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about a vision beyond yourself. If you're taking notes, write these keywords down. Uh, not going to be any scriptures because I got a lot of scriptures I'm kind of going over, and I, I want you looking up here if you can and not just at the screen. Uh, but if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, you've got your Bible, or if you've got your phone, pull that up. Nehemiah chapter 2, as we talk about a vision beyond yourself, or a vision bigger than you. Anybody ever have a vision that's bigger than you? Does it scare you sometimes? Absolutely. How many of you look at that as a challenge, like I'm going to step up to the plate, and this is bigger than myself? And I believe oftentimes when we're on a journey with God, I truly believe God will, will sometimes call you to do something that is bigger than you and beyond you, and it's not even for you or about you. It's maybe something for somebody else. Maybe God's calling you to do something for a people, for a nation, for a group of people. Whatever that is, we've got to make sure that we are so in tune to the things of God and we feel his call, we feel his pull because when you take that step of faith and you do something that's bigger than you, everything's going to work out just like you planned it. I mean, no, that's not true. That is just not true. It almost never works out just like you planned it. But when you do take that step of faith and you're doing something that's beyond you, bigger than you, then you will be faced with challenges, setbacks, roadblocks, ups and downs. Anybody ever have that emotional battle that goes on in your mind? Do I quit today? Is it even worth it? Or do I keep moving? And that's a constant daily battle that we're going to have to face. But you know what? We won't do it alone. Amen. Amen. We won't do this alone. So I want to start off, once again, Nehemiah chapter 2, give a little background about this. Nehemiah is a great servant of God. He's, uh, he's actually working for the king, serving the king, one of the king's servants, uh, King Artaxerxes. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, he's serving him. But one day, you know, something begins to stir in his heart, his spirit, and he begins to have this, this desire uh, for God's city. There's something that has gone on in God's city, and he just begins to have this, some may call that a desire, some may call that a burden. Have you ever felt a burden for somebody to do something? You, it just burdens you. Maybe, uh, you. maybe you saw something on television or you saw something on the news and just, man, a burden was set on you. How can I help those people? That's that burden. And Nehemiah feels this burden and as he's looking at the city of God uh, that's in bad shape. The walls are broken down. Gates are destroyed. 
The enemy can come in and out and plunder and do anything it wants to do within the, 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 the city of Jerusalem. And this is burdening Nehemiah. Let me put it in today's terms because, you know, I believe one of the greatest blessings uh, in life is when we connect with a God that is bigger than, than us. Amen. And when we begin to live life, not just for ourselves, but for others, I believe it was uh, a football coach. I think it was a coach for the Dolphins. He said this uh, because he's so different than any other coach and, and really pours into his guys. And, and he's, he was being interviewed and he said, you know what? He said, it's a wonderful thing to not exist for yourself. It's a wonderful thing to not exist for yourself. And what he's saying is, is I'm here for these guys, to build them up, to pour into them. And when God gives us that burden that is not just for ourselves but for other people, that's when we really step into the kingdom of God, kingdom-minded. And Nehemiah, once again, he's seeing God's city just like, whoa, it's in bad shape. And this holy burden comes on him to where he's not happy. And, and this is where you, you can get confused because sometimes God will be putting a burden on you or calling on you and, and it, it sucks joy out of you. Not that that's a bad thing, but it is one of those things, whoa, okay, I'm not, why am I not happy? It's because this burden, and Nehemiah's not happy, he's sad, but he has a burden because he wants to do something to rebuild God's city. Y'all still with me? So the wall represents defense, protection, fortitude, and safety, and all this is gone in God's city. And Nehemiah's like, wait a minute, I'm from there. This is, this is, this is eating me up on the inside. This is tearing me up. I want to I bring restoration back to God's city. So we catch up with him in Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm going to read some of these names, so don't, don't judge me. Okay? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, not Nisan Stadium, but Nisan, because nothing came to pass in Nisan. No, I'm joking. <laughs> nothing came to pass in Nisan Stadium. <laughs> and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. This is Nehemiah. So he's presenting, he's serving the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? So he's like, Nehemiah, what's going on? You're depressed, you're discouraged. You're not sick. What's going on, man? He said, he said, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. He's like, Nehemiah, I've never seen you in this state before. I've never seen you with this expression on your face, man. This is, and the king recognized this is sorrow of heart, something deep down in you is causing this outward expression. This is sorrow of heart. See, when God, God burdens you, it's usually connecting your heart with something. I said, this is sorrow of heart, man. There's something going on on the inside of you. 
So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Wow. Then the king said to me, what do you request? Now, this is where we can kind of get personal with God because it, when, when they talk about the king, you got you to gotta see this in relation to our king. Amen? When he saw him sad, he said, hey, man, God's city over there, it's, it's, I'm from there. And the walls are broken down, the gates are burned, and the enemy is running in and doing whatever he wants to do, and, and this, is, this is hurting me. And the king's like, what do you request? Isn't that a good statement? Don't miss that. This is like when, when there's a burden and, and you walking in relationship with God and it's like, hey, Patrick, I, I see your, your, your countenance. Is, what's going on? And Patrick may say, well, hey, you know, I, man, I want to see this generation just fall in love with God. Well, Patrick, what do you request? Now, if God asked me and you today, what do you request when everything is okay and you've got no burden? What would you, well, God, I need my house paid for. I need my car paid for. Come on, y'all. Y'all looking at me like a calf at a new gate. You know. God, I'd like to go here. I'd like to go there. <laughs> I want to win the lotto. I want to <laughs> God, what? But he said, hey, Nehemiah, what do you request? And I love this. This is a king. This is a, the earthly king saying, hey, Nehemiah, what do you want me to do? And his first response, he says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Got this burden. Got this king saying, hey, how can I help you? His first response, so I prayed to God and said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. This is what I want to do. This will, this will lift that burden, and this will, this will ease this, this sorrow that's in my heart. I want to do this. If you would just send me over there to bring restoration to God's city. Mm. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him. How long will your journey be? This is key right here. How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. He didn't live life case sarah, sarah. He's like, king, this is the time that it's going to take me to do this. I mean, that's somebody who's focused. He's not just wishful thinking. This burden is so heavy on him. Listen, he's, he's got to get to a place where he's got to relieve this burden that's on him. He said, I set him a time. It's not going to take forever. Look at your neighbor and say, it won't take forever. Are y'all weak on that one? <laughs> say, it won't take forever. But it will take time. And the more we can understand that when we set a time, it'll take time. But we be proactive and, and we keep moving forward. So, 
And we skip down, I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Uh, and then he told the king after he said him a time, he said, hey, king, if it really pleases you, this is, this is how you can help a brother out. Anybody ever talk to God like that? God, oh, God, just help a brother out. Help a sister out. Just, just break me off a little bone. Just a piece. Do something. Right? Just, God, just a, I don't need all of it. Just give me a glimpse. Do something. That gives me enough energy to keep moving forward. Amen? Just something. So Nehemiah said, hey, king, here's something else you can do for me. He said, can you write me some letters that gives me passage of where I need to go so nobody will hold me up at this checkpoint? Anybody ever been through a checkpoint? Especially you from Texas. <laughs> you know, you've been doing some checkpoints. I learned the hard way. You cannot go to the valley and bring fruit back somewhere. <laughs> I said, dude, it's an orange. I almost went to jail for an orange. <laughs> so he said, hey, King, I need you to write me some letters. So when I get to these certain checkpoints and and these rite of passages that I can just show the letter that, that it won't slow me up, won't slow me down, and I can keep moving forward. And also, King, I need you to write me a letter to where when I get to uh, the, the person who has all the lumber, so when I go to Home Depot, I can just go get whatever I need. So the king writes him these letters, and he's off, man. And, and this is that you know, guys, when it's a burden, and a vision from God, because we, we call that a burden, but I, I really believe God was, God was getting him to see that city that had, was, had his defense taken down, its walls taken down. That's a vision, and he's got this vision beyond himself now. He's got this vision that, man, I don't even know how I'm going to do that. I don't have the ability. I don't have the finances. I don't have the, 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 the education to do that, but... I've got the king on my side. And when God gives you that vision, I truly believe he will have the provision for that. He will provide for that. Nehemiah is one man with this vision beyond himself. Think about it, Rick. He's hanging out with the king. Everything is going good in his life. Man, he's hanging out with the king, but all of a sudden... You know, he's, he's, he's bringing the king his, his food and his wine and just chilling. And, and, but this vision over here, like, wow, this thing is burdening me. And I believe that's when God causes you to look and puts a burden in you to do something that is bigger than you. His life was going good, but he's seeing the city of God and God's people. Like, whoa. Oh, man, things are going good in my life, but I got I to do this. I got to do this. I got I to gotta go there. As he goes on, he went to the governors in the region, and, and uh, there was the enemy. Uh, verse 10, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, it says, When Sambalat, everybody say Sambalat. I can tell why he's the enemy, because that's just a jacked up name right there. <laughs> Sambalat. <laughs> he mad at his parents. He's just mad. Just, just he angry. 
named me Sambalat. Sambalat. When Sambalat, the horror night, oh Lord. He got some issues. Let's, let's take a minute and pray for his descendants, okay? <laughs> when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, when they heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Y'all seeing the connection here? The enemy got so upset because somebody... Is coming up to look after God's people. The enemy gets ticked off. Listen, when you're connected with a vision that's bigger than yourself, then it's kingdom-minded, I guarantee you the enemy's gonna get ticked off because you're you're now you're in a lane of doing something for God's kingdom. It's not even about you. This is not even about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he's got it made, man. He's hanging out with the king. But now he's got to do something that's going to risk all of that. Going to risk his good life to help people have a better life. Y'all tracking with me? That's a vision. That's a vision from God. And after that, Nehemiah goes down and he begins to, to go down and look at the lay of the land, views the walls. He went by night so nobody would see him. And he's inspecting everything. And then he comes back to, to the men who are going to help him. He's got a, got a group of men that are going to help him. And verse 17 says, then, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may longer, may no longer be a reproach. Let me read that one more time. He said, come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. You know, one of the things God spoke to me before I even stepped in here to, to uh, take the lead pastor role uh, here at Bridges is I was going through this kind of turmoil and and. He said, Adonis, I'm going to show you what my church should look like. Because I went through this whole season, and my wife can ask you, went through this whole season of, of trying, to, trying to go and just attend a church and fit in somewhere, and, and I'd get so frustrated. I'd, you remember, Heather, I'd, I'd elbow my wife and be like, babe, this is our first time being here. I know exactly what's going to happen. Verbatim. And I'm like okay, God, there has to be something more, something different. And I begin to cry out, God, show me what your, your, your church looks like in the Bible. And when God began to show me all that, and, and all of a sudden I just heard this word, and I'm still trying to figure it out, but I, 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 just, I just heard God say, Donis, I need people to redeem my church. That's, that's what I heard. Steve, I'm still trying to, we're still trying to walk that out. But that's the word that I heard. Honest, I'm looking for servants to redeem my church. I love the church. I love the local church. But I, I'd be the first to say the church has done some damage to not just the body of Christ, but the world. 
And we got to get to this place where we got we to gotta address this, this whole, how would I even call that? <laughs> this, this, this Christian culture of, of they're like a, this celebrity Christian culture. We got we to gotta do away with that. How I many know Jesus, if you really follow Jesus, every time Jesus was in a place where they tried to come and make him king, what did he do? Nope. He's like, bye, see ya. Every time somebody says, hey, we need, we need you king. No, no. And we got to get to a place, and I believe, you know, when I was reading this, and God took me back to that word, and I'm still... On a daily basis, man, just God, just show me what is, what is, what areas, what, how do we redeem the church? I remember um, looking back over my life and, you know, been in ministry for over 20 years and, and uh, I remember one time Christian, remember me and Christian met for, for, for lunch one time and Christian was telling me his story and he was like, like, you know, I've moved all around and he goes, I've been to some big churches and, and small churches. He said, he said, you guys are just right down the street from me, but he said, he said, this is the first time, he said, all, all the churches I've been to, he said, this is the first time I've ever sat down and had lunch with a pastor. I mean, that's real. And I thought, man, you know what? As a pastor, it's not a title to where, y'all know me by now, I don't even like being on the stage. <laughs> Patrick, hey, Patrick hears it all the time. No, he that. Like, guys, I need more people on this stage. It's not just me. But I, I think we're just in a mode of God saying, what do you want? And I'm like, God, well, we need this. We need that. We need that. But, but I'm still saying, God, show me. What does that look like? And as Nehemiah told the people, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna rebuild these walls so that we may no longer be a reproach in the sight of people. You know what that is? Oh, man, if God's like that, I don't want nothing to do with God. No, we will no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up. Everybody say, rise up. Rise up. And build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Everybody say, good work. Good work. So let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to this good work. As the story goes on, they're, they're rebuilding. They, they meet, you know, they're met with some challenges. They have people come against them, uh, but they keep, they keep on working. They got to a place, and I'm going to tell you everything, but please go home and read that story of Nehemiah. It will, it will do wonders for you when you're going through something where you feel like God's giving you a vision that is so much bigger than you and beyond you, and uh, they get to a place to where uh, the wall is built, but they hadn't hung the gates up yet. It's like you got the fence built, but what's that old saying in Texas? It's like you let the, when you close the gate after the calf got out. Y'all remember that one? And so there's no gate up, so people can still come in and out of the city, and the enemy was threatening them, and the enemy went so far as to realize, hey, my threats aren't working, so let me see if they can just, if I can get them to just join me. 
And he goes up to Nehemiah. He goes, hey, why don't, why don't we just come down? Why don't you come off that wall and just let's, let's see if we can just talk this thing out. Let's see if we can just reason together and just, just, just let's, let's have a truce and just talk it out. And Nehemiah yell, yells back like, man, this work is too great for me to leave it and come down and talk to you. And he's staying focused while he's building this wall. And I want to encourage you here today, if you're watching online as well, you know, I really believe this is a a season where God is doing something in his kingdom. And we have the ability where we are to be a part of that individually as a church. God, show me what you're doing in your kingdom. It's not just about me. But I I want to do something that's going to outlive me, that's going to... Uh, that people will be uh, blessed because of that, but it's going to take the work, putting my hands to it, seeing it through. Which, when you think about that, it's easy to say, well, that's a, that's a person in the Bible. That's a character in the Bible, Nehemiah. Amen? Let me invite the band back up. We're going to close out in just a few moments, but I'm not done. <laughs> Not done, but I'm going to get them up here. But, but I don't want you to think this is just somebody in the Bible that we read about. Because every now and then, I think when we read these stories and we just think, well, man, you know, that was just a different time and God was so much on the scene then and that's Nehemiah. And, and, but God still does that today in today's world with today's man, with today's woman. God is still choosing, and he's putting that burden on people, he's, and, and, and he's giving you that vision, and you're looking, and like, man, I, I want to do that, and, and for this, this arena, this group of people, and, and, you know, even as we prepare to celebrate tomorrow a, a great figure in our American history today, Martin Luther King Jr., Amen. And as we get ready to honor and, and reflect on all that he's done, you know, as I was thinking about Nehemiah, it kind of ties in with, with here, Martin Luther King, he was a preacher, Baptist preacher, just, you know, walking around doing his own thing one day, and God puts this burden, God puts this burden on his life and this, this vision to do something that's bigger than him, and that's beyond him. You know, in those moments, it's easy to just kind of count the cost up front, like, like, no, I'm just, I know how much work that, that entails. I know how much sacrifice that's going to be. I'm just, I'm good, God, right where I'm at. And Martin Luther King could have done that. He could have been, no, I'm just, I'll just stay in my pulpit where I'm safe, not bothering nobody. (laughs) But he chose to rise up to the occasion and allow God to place a burden on him and a vision in him for a better world, a better America. I'm going to invite my wife up real quick. And, you know, I, I I never take this Or let me, let me say it this way. 
Martin Luther King Jr. Day is not the only day that I reflect on what he's done, Rick. I mean, I, I, I think about this often. He's like a reference point. When, I, when I'm doing something that is difficult, it's like, wow. And you need people, iconic figures in history to go back and draw encouragement from. Kelly, that's one of the people that I go to. And it's like, man, this, this is a man that done so much. Sacrificed. Probably time with his family, his kids. All because he was burdened with a vision that was beyond himself. But he said yes to the call and he stepped out. Went through all kind of hell. I wonder, I wonder what would happen if God would have told him everything he's going to go through first. Hey, Martin, let me tell, let you know, you, you're going to be talked about, called all kind of things. You're going, oh, and you're going to, go to, you're going to go to jail a couple times too. I'd, I'd have probably tapped out right there. God, you got the wrong person. But when the burden is on you and you feel it, you make a commitment. I'm going to go through hell or high water. This is something God's called me to do. I'm going to see it through. And I, and I think about several of his speeches that he made. I remember one speech. It was, it was, we shall overcome. And he was like, in his speech, he's telling people that are amen in him and shouting him. And in his speech, he said, you know, we're going to we're going to be talked about some more. We're going to be ridiculed some more. We're going to, some of us will have to go to jail some more. Whoa. Like more than once. I already, I just got out yesterday. I got to, this was the people that were following him as well. He said, some of us will lose jobs and go to jail some more but we will overcome. And I never will forget it was when the kids were younger and they finally recognized that they had a black daddy and a white mama. <laughs> you know, because they do reach that place of age where they recognize it. And I think it was Grayson when he first went to kindergarten, you know, he'd see parents come in and either they were both white or <laughs> both black and and then he finally asked that question, well, daddy's black, you're white. And, and so I remember I was trying to explain that to a little five-year-old. And I think that was during the time at school, they were talking about Martin Luther King and, and Grayson was like, well, I know he went to jail. Was he a bad guy? Cause he went to jail and, 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 I, try, and I set him down and we were talking about it and said, no, Grayson, this was, this was a man that God called to do something, called to bring a nation together, all colors, black, white, Hispanic. Because I think sometimes we forget, we think it was only black people in those marches. No, there were white people in those marches. There were, there were Hispanic people, linked arms, different ethnic groups linking arms together. And I said, I said, he just, he put his life on the line. And not only did he put his life on the line, he gave, this thing cost him his life 
cost him his life. It wasn't optional. Cost him his life. I said, but he did all that. I said, Grayson, if he hadn't have done that, I said, I don't even think you would be here today. Because this right here wouldn't just be frowned upon. It wouldn't be allowed. That's reality. I said, but because of his sacrifice, it cost him his life. I said, I said he even knew. God showed him. When he said, you know, said, I've been to the mountaintop. He said, I won't get there with you. Going back, this is a vision beyond yourself. For him to make that statement, I won't get there with you. He knew he was going to die. But he didn't tap out. He gave his life. He didn't tap out. He stayed on the mission. And I just want to honor him today by reading his speech before we end this one. Is that okay with everybody? I just want to honor him today by reading a portion of this speech. And my heart is that we all just reflect, even as we've talked about Nehemiah having this burden from God. So I think about Martin Luther King Jr., this was a burden from God that produced a vision and gave him a dream better place. I'm going to do my best to try to read this in my best Martin Luther King Jr. voice. But we do want to honor him. Grayson, if we start that slide show. And just listen to the words. This I have a dream speech. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair, I say to you today, my friends. And so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And this will be the day. This will be the day when all God's children will be able to sing with new meaning. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring 
from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens, and when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. Come on, somebody. We thank him for his sacrifice. We take this moment and opportunity to pray for his family members that are still here on this earth. And we cover them as many throughout this country will be reflecting on his life. We thank you, Lord. May his life continue to be an example for all of us. May Nehemiah's life continue to be an example for all of us. As we totally surrender our life to you, God. As we pick up our cross and follow you, Jesus. As we respond to the burden that you place upon our hearts and the vision that's beyond ourselves and much bigger than us, we trust you along the journey, along the way, that you will provide, that you will protect, that you will strengthen us, encourage us to put our hands to the good work that will outlive us and be a blessing to generations and generations to come. We thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, seal everything that we've talked about and discussed today. Here in Nashville, and those that are watching online, my heart, my prayer is that this week we will find moments where we're alone with God Asking him for a vision that's beyond us. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to seal this moment just for the time of worship. Right where you are, you can stay seated or you can stand and just allow the Holy Spirit to. reveal something to you during this moment.
He's not done. Holy Spirit's still here. This may be a moment of reflection. This may be a moment where you're just surrendering everything to Him. Looking for His vision for your life. Have your way with us, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.